All right, everybody, welcome back to Pack Talk Podcast, episode number 76. And today we're talking about protection dogs. We're also talking about protection planning and being ready overall because when we talk about protection dogs, I feel like we have to talk about protection overall because uh, protection dogs could only be one element or one layer of your overall protection plan. Right, so we'll kind of dive into that today. But before we go into too much detail, first I do want to discuss what is a protection plan. And you know, I'm a Navy veteran, so in the Navy we call this a force protection plan. But basically, what a protection plan is is it is the concept of protecting assets or personnel from threats or hazards, also to deter attack by creating a layered defense. So layers are super important, like onion layers. Right, onion layers refer to the dog's mind. How can we use the onion layers of the dog's mind? How can we use the onion layers of a protection plan, right, to ensure that we have the dog's best interest and our best interest in mind overall? So layers are very important to anything we do, but the whole purpose of a protection plan or a force protection plan is to deter attack by creating a layered defense, right? Because we're talking about protection, we're not talking about offensive being offensive. We're talking about protecting ourselves, our assets, our family, whatever it is that we are protecting, right? Um, So overall, your protection layers, they're probably going to follow the uh, use of force continuum, which I'll go into here in a second for those that are not familiar with it. But your different layers may include like a perimeter layer where you have like a outlying perimeter that's going to, you know, deter some type of attack or deter some type of threat um, from getting too close to you or your assets. It could include a early warning layer, which might be some kind of device like a camera or something to signal that there's a potential threat moving your way or potential unknown moving your way. If we're thinking about a house, you know, you might have your uh, ring doorbell cam and that might be some type of early warning signal to you that, hey, someone's at the door. Could be Amazon. Could be someone trying to break in your house. You never know, right? So that's why that early warning layer is very important. Then you have like your baseline layers is like if they get, like let's say the house scenario, they get into your house. What's the first layer? Maybe that's your dog if you have a protection dog, right? Or maybe a not protection dog, just a dog in general. Maybe your dog is the first thing to happen to that threat when they enter the house. Then you have your security layer. If this person continues to penetrate all layers, Now they get to that security layer. Now this is where deadly force may be used, right? Um, Depends on the scenario. Depends on what's going on. But if someone's in my house and they're penetrating the layers, you know, high probability. Depends on your location too. Right. (laughs) Somebody breaks in your house in Canada, they tell you, you can't shoot them. Right. They take what they can take and that's it. Yeah, so you got to take that into effect as well. Not just Canada, but like probably California. Yeah, different states. You know, different yeah. states are going to have different uh, laws, different things in effect. We're in the south, though. We got we got Castle Doctrine, boys. But uh, you know, talking about protection dogs, where do they fit into the layers? Are they part of the perimeter layer? They could be. Are they part of the early warning layer? They could be. Are they part of the baseline layer? Possibly security layer, possibly, but probably not. Because in my opinion, when we're at the security layer, now we're at you know risk of uh, death ourselves right so our life is literally on the line so i'm going to have to use something that is uh you know deadly force lethal force and a dog is not that 
A protection dog is not lethal force. So let's talk about the use of force continuum real quick, which is basically an overview of how you might progress or escalate from a non-lethal deterrent to possibly a lethal deadly force usage, right? Um, And with the use of force continuum, you can go up in the continuum. You can also go down in the continuum depending on the threat, depending on what's going on depending on if you're a male versus female, right? All these types of things you do have to take into account. But the the basic overview of it is that there's basically five levels to the use of force continuum. The first level is presence. And a protection dog could could definitely be in the presence uh, level of use of force, like at your house, just the presence of a well-trained dog, even if it's not protection trained. But just the presence of a well-trained dog could deter a potential attack by a threat, right? And that is the whole purpose of a protection plan to deter attack. So if I have a presence of a highly trained dog that could possibly deter attack, if I have the presence of security cameras up, right, that could deter attack. If I have a fence around my house or a gate to access my property, right? These are all presence type things where you would be considered like a hard target versus a soft target, right? A soft target for someone looking to uh, cause harm to somebody or take advantage of somebody. They're looking for soft targets, people that are easy to uh, take down or easy to to rob or something like that. And, uh, you know, so the presence aspect, if you increase your presence at your house, at your car, you yourself as you're moving around, you know, that's going to make you more of a hard target, which means that someone that's looking to cause harm to somebody, they're not really looking to do anything to a hard target. Most likely they're going to take the easy road. They're going to take the soft target, right? But that first layer of the use of force continuum is your presence or the presence of your protection measures. Again, that could be your dog. It could be cameras. It could be a sign that says this property or this house secured by ring or secured by whatever Uh, companies are out there running security systems, something like that. Then you could have the next level would be verbal commands, right? Some kind of verbal communication. If you're in your house and your ring doorbell camera uh, detects motion, right? You can use your ring camera to communicate to that person before they even get into another layer of your defense. And I know Kevin has a ring camera. Couple. Couple ring cameras. (laughs) So like if someone's at the door, you can communicate them communicate to them through the camera correct i could yeah or i could just let them do their thing <laughs> <laughs> and that would be the level two of the use of force continuum is like first of all we have the presence of the camera there in this situation yeah. then the next level if they're proceeding into that the next level is now there's a verbal right confrontation a verbal command hey what's going on how can i help you you know something like that then you have what we call a uh, soft control right so if you're actually physically with somebody a soft control would be some kind of wrist control foot control it's usually going to be some kind of hand-to-hand contact right this means you're within a couple of feet of somebody they're trying to cause harm and you do something to control them to a certain degree then escalating from there you have a hard control which could be a takedown it could be like a some type of intermediate tool like a baton something like that uh, or like what are those uh, mag lights? That's what they're called, oh, right? Yeah. The heavy Big duty mag lights. lights. You could oh, yeah. you could uh, use that to to apply some pressure to somebody. That would be a hard control. It's a non lethal control. A dog would also fall. A protection dog 
that has been through levels of protection training would also be some type of hard control if they're going to apply a grip to somebody, right? So that would be considered a hard control. Then escalating from there, you have your deadly force, which could be a knife, could be a firearm, you know, something like that. And then again, use of force continuum. We've got the presence. That's level one. Level two is verbal uh, commands, right? Verbal presence. Number three, level three, that's your soft control. Level four is your hard control. And then level five, that's your deadly force. I feel like I'm at recall for corrections right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to increase in those levels as needed. You're also going to decrease. Yep. You right? may skip some too. You mm-hmm. may skip some, exactly. So if it, you might go from presence to deadly force in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Right. So that's what you have to understand about the use of force continuum is like you're not going to go through one, two, three, four, five. You might go one to five, one to four very quickly, depending on what's going on. You might go one to two to five. Right. Literally just depends on the situation, depends on what's going to happen around you, which we will get into later in this discussion. But I just wanted to give you guys a brief overview of the use of force continuum. I know I was trained on this when I was in the Navy. I also trained a lot of people on this. It was one of my responsibilities to train people on this. I know Chris and Kevin have trained and been trained in this uh, uh, use of force continuum as well. So do you guys have any other feedback or input on the use of force continuum? No, I mean, it's good to have a working knowledge of that continuum. Like you should, you should, you need to kind of not, you don't have to write it down, but you have this in your head. Like what are your abilities? Because if you don't have hard control options mm-hmm. let's say right now you've just removed something out of your tool belt you know mm-hmm. now now my options are just soft control or deadly force right mm-hmm. so like things like hard control having a taser pepper spray different things like that a dog protection dog like knowing what's available to you mm-hmm. adds options adds layers to right. adds onion layers to your protection plan so uh just just do do some research you know on i'm, the, on I'm glad you continuum. brought up tasers and uh pepper spray because those are hard controls right it's non-lethal yeah and uh you know those can be acquired by the average person you know civilians like that could help you in a situation but also if you're trying to fumble with this stuff it could hinder you yeah again it depends on how quickly the situation is escalating or de-escalating right so my thought process as as i'm in different scenarios is what can i do to de-escalate the situation that's my first thought i don't want to escalate I don't want to escalate unless absolutely necessary. And escalate means increasing in the use of force continuum. I always want to decrease in the use of force continuum, right? So like one example is, you know, I'm uh, at the gas station. It's dark outside. I'm pumping gas and a hobo walks around the uh, corner of my truck and is like facing me, right? Right now I have presence and now I have verbal commands is where I'm at. Hey, how's it going? Right? Can I help you? Just doing that to somebody might deter a potential attack because it's telling them that you are aware of what's going on around you. If you're trying to ignore them or turn your back to them, they may see you as a soft target. They may move in. Now you have to escalate to like hard control, deadly force very quickly. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always trying to de-escalate. Hey, how's it going? And I'm trying to be friendly about it. Like in this car scenario, I'm pumping gas. You know, hobo comes around the corner of my truck. They're looking at me, you know, maybe just me looking at them would deter them from progressing any further they just may walk on which has happened to me in the past right but also they may just stand there hey you got any money maybe they're testing you hey i ran out of gas can you help me hey i'm hungry can you help me right what i've done in the past in these situations myself is like hey if you're hungry 
I'll go over to McDonald's. I'll pick you up food. I'll bring it right back to you, right? I'm not going to give them money, right? Me personally, but I know you can depending on the situation. But if you give them money, now they might link you as like now you're a soft target because now you're, uh, you know, on a level with them. You're feeling empathy for them. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I can take advantage of this. Now I can take this person down. Now you might have to escalate, right? So I'm always trying to de-escalate. I'm always trying to create space. I don't want that person getting closer to me, right? Because if they have a knife and they pull that on me very quickly, right? If the space between me and them has been reduced, I need to increase that space very quickly, right? Um, so those are all thoughts that are going between my, in my head. Number one, I'm trying to de-escalate versus escalate in the use of force continuum. I'm always trying to create space between me and a potential threat versus reducing space, right? I don't want to reduce space between me and the threat because now if that's happening, most likely I'm going to have to go to a soft control, hard control, or even further up in the use of force continuum from there. Yeah. So what are other thoughts you guys have on that? I mean, just to give you an idea of how quickly and how fluid this, this thing could be, Take it as uh, somebody who's breaking into your house, for instance. They they cross the threshold. You're right there. You draw down on them. They turn around to run, and now you light them up in your back in their back because you panicked. Right? There's going to be good. some legal issues with that. Not good. Right? Because we yeah. went from, you know, we went straight to lethal, and then in the blink of an eye, we went to presence is now working. Right. right? If you can articulate the threat, you know, you have a good lawyer, maybe, but it's just not good. That's right. why, uh, and I'm sure you'll talk about it later. That's why training is extremely important. You know, being able to make those decisions. Because we had instances, you know, in the penitentiary, guys got a knife. You know, I got stabbed twice while I was in there. Yeah. Once he's down, once the knife is away, the threat is gone. Lethal is no longer an option. These control techniques, you have them down. It's over. You got to flip the switch. Right. You got to go right back down to level one because you're good to go. Everything's fine. You know, mm-hmm. then carry on. Right. I think in my, uh, my law enforcement days, I was naturally a de-escalator i was very good at this like i can show you still up. Are. <laughs> yeah. well i i could show up to like a scene that we would consider hostile and i could de-escalate people just by talking to them that was just one of my skills i also didn't have like a very threatening presence i think to people you know like i'm a shorter guy i'm a small dude i'm nice you know uh so like i could nice. i could bring i could bring you're warm <laughs> i'm warm he's a sleeper i could bring people down very quickly so like that was a skill but the things that i had to learn was like you also need to be fluid in escalating as well mm. right like like sometimes you do have to escalate so like i think when i think when i think of de-escalation versus escalation i think of like a, a threat is here like let's say in your gas station scenario somebody walks up for whatever reason and there can be a number of scenarios let's say i perceive this person as a threat right how they're coming at me may depend on what strategy I'm going to use where I may need to, if they're coming at me very aggressively, I may need to escalate, mm-hmm. right? In order to back that person down. Like, mm-hmm. or it may be as simple as just looking at them. Like you said, Hey, how you doing? Can I help you? Like, I'm just acknowledging them. That could be seen as an escalation. Cause like I'm, I'm kind of aggressive, giving a little bit of aggression to this person, to this threat to let them know, Hey, I see you. I'm tracking. You need to go pick somebody else. Technically, right? I think that would be an escalation because your presence is just you standing there. Once you go into verbal yeah. communication, that's right. already escalated to level two. Right. In my exactly. opinion. So like you know? de-escalation would be more like, Hey, we're in it. We're in it already. Right. Oh, can I bring this? Can I bring this person down or right. something? You know what I'm saying? Right. So like maybe this person's already in my space. 
Hey man, hey, hey, look, I don't want any trouble. I don't. I put my hands up in a very submissive gesture. Hey man, I don't. I don't want any trouble. What are you doing? Or maybe somebody's already like, hey, give me your money, man. Mm. Like, hey, hey, look, I don't want any trouble. Now I'm going to try to de-escalate that person, mm-hmm. right? And then I can I, we can go back to escalation if we need to once I have more of a tactical advantage. So you have to be like one, one of my like I was good at de-escalation. I was not that great at escalation. That that was something I had to train myself to do. So you have to be able to be fluid and comfortable to go both both sides of the spectrum there right right exactly all right so i just want to share a quick story from uh my time in the navy when there was a very hairy situation hairy situation (laughs) (laughs) and uh, the use of force continuum could have been used the wrong way it could have been used the right way but basically we were on deployment and uh I was the officer of the deck, which means I'm basically in charge of the operation of the of the ship that I was on, the warship, um, under the captain, right? So the captain's doing his thing. He's somewhere else. I'm up on the bridge of the ship, in control of the ship, in charge of the ship's safety, and all that kind of stuff. And there's a small boat that uh, was in our vicinity, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they just gun it for us. And uh, the reason why this is like a big deal in the Navy is because we had the USS Cole which was in port and a foreign port and a small boat literally rammed into the side of it, caused a huge hole in the side of it. You know, the ship sank, a bunch of people died. So that's always on the minds of sailors when you're out and about, especially around small boats. So we're literally just cruising, you know, we're off the coast of a uh, uh, different country and uh, we're literally just cruising up the coast of this country out of sight. We can't see it, but you know, we're probably 30 miles off the coast. And uh, anyway, small boat starts gunning it for us. I'm the officer of the deck. Everyone is basically freezing or starts yelling because they're freaking out. We're hitting that fight or flight mentality, right? So my first actions were to, uh, you have certain maneuvers you can do with the warship if you're in this type of situation. So we immediately went into some evasive maneuvers to try and stir up a lot of uh, seawater and make it difficult for the small boat to approach us. So we did some evasive maneuvers at the same time. I set some conditions on the ship for the crew serve weapons, which are like 50 caliber machine guns and things like that to be mounted up and manned up on the side of the ship. I also called the captain to the bridge and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. We had a helicopter up in the air. So I called the helicopter over to our vicinity, which it was going to take them a second to come over there. Um, so anyway, we had different layers right first of all we had our presence is just a u.s navy warship with guns on it sailing around then we have this small boat all of a sudden start charging us basically and so you know do we need to escalate in the use of force continuum what do we need to do do we need to go to a soft control hard control do we need to use deadly force what is actually going on right that's as the person in charge this is what you're doing and as an officer of the deck in the navy your captain is trusting you with these types of decisions, especially if he's not uh, up on the bridge with you, right? So um, anyway, this situation is unfolding. This this small boat is closing distance to us. We're taking evasive maneuvers. We're preparing our machine guns, right? Uh, but something in my head, we have the helicopter coming in, and the helicopter had some machine guns on it as well. But uh, something in my head just wasn't right. I was like, this just not does, does not make sense that this small boat just all of a sudden starts blasting to us. And there was other... Uh, officers uh, that were trying to tell me take you know authorized lethal authorized lethal force authorized lethal force right that's a decision that the officer of the deck has to make at the same time the captain comes up to the bridge he's not up there the whole time so now he has to try and figure out what's going on I'm trying to brief him at the same time the situation is escalating very quickly 
And, uh, you know, we're going to, we also in the Navy, not to give too much detail, but, um, to bore anybody, but anyway, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm as you're at, as like on a warship, <laughs> you only maintain, you have jet engines on a warship, right? So they're super expensive to run. They burn a lot of fuel. Also, every time you run them, there's more maintenance involved. So you guys know about maintenance. So anyway, usually you run around or you'd sail around with not your full power plant, not all jet engines online. So basically, if you're in a situation like this, now you're trying to bring all jet engines online so you can have more speed, more power, right? So you're trying to do all this different stuff at the same time. But anyway, something in my head was just telling me the situation, there's something off. There's people saying, open fire, open fire. You know, we're not making the call yet. My captain's trying to digest all the information I'm giving them. And I'm like, sir, something feels off on this, you know, because of our evasive maneuvers, we had given ourselves some more time because we were getting away from the small boat, even though it's still coming right at us. And every time we would take a turn, they would angle towards us again. And again, everyone's thinking about USS Cole. Small boat runs into the side of a ship, basically sinks the ship. A lot of lives lost, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, we have the helicopter come down and wash them with some rotor wash, meaning they come down really close to the uh, sea level and they're trying to spray basically seawater onto the small boat to try and, you know, distract them or reduce their visibility, which our helicopter does do that. But the small boat's trying to go around the helicopter, going to the ship. We still have an authorized lethal force, but we have this one piece of equipment on the ship uh, that basically you can use to put out a verbal command and it's super loud. It's kind of like a, you know, extreme megaphone, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, I tell the captain, I said, hey, this situation seems weird. Let's have our interpreter come up here and bring this device up here and let's start giving them some verbal commands to, to stop their engines because we still have time. You know, we can open fire, but are we at the deadly force yet? We don't know, right? I'm thinking not. Something in my head is telling me we're not at deadly force yet. So anyway, long story short, we bring the device up, we bring the interpreter up. He starts going through different uh, languages to try and figure out the language that these people are accustomed to. And as soon as he hit the language that they were accustomed to and told them to stop their engines, they immediately stopped their engines. And so we're like, okay, they're now listening to verbal commands. So we had gone up in our use of force continuum very quickly. The situation was escalating. We're trying to create space away from this small boat. All of a sudden, verbal commands are now working. Now that we're using the language that they use, they stop their engines they're adhering to what we're asking. So we are able to reduce our speed and uh, maintain a safe distance, but also a distance where they can still hear us verbally. And uh, so anyway, we basically tell them to stand up, put their hands up, all that kind of stuff. We man up the boarding team. Turns out these guys were looking for help, right? And they were foreign nationals, right? So basically different language. They don't really understand customs and all that. They're out in the middle of the ocean. They're experiencing some trouble. Maybe they're lost. They needed help, and we could have, if I would have listened to some of the people that were telling me, open fire, open fire, take them down, right? Don't let them get to us. If I had listened to that, we would have just shot innocent people, yeah. and now their lives would have been on our hands, and me and the captain probably would have been in serious trouble, right? No matter what decision we were trying to make. But because we had the for use of force continuum in our mind, and we had the creating space mentality. Hey, let's do everything possible to create space. Let's do everything possible uh, to try and figure out what's going on. Let's not make a gut decision or a bad decision. You know, my gut was telling me 
this is not deadly force. There's something going on here. We got to figure it out. Other people's gut was telling them, we need to open fire. We need to shoot these guys, right? We need to sink this ship. But because we used proper use of force continuum, we created space, we de-escalated the situation, we were, we were able to help these guys instead of kill them. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's just a good example. While it applied to me in the Navy, you know, I think that's what the mindset needs to be, whether you're just someone traveling around the town, you know, getting gas, whether you're at your house, whether, you know, you're at a shopping center, right? Depending on what's going on around you, always be aware of your environment always think about what are the levels of force that apply to me in this situation, right? You might not have hard control with you. You might only have soft control and then deadly force, which hard control could be like a takedown. So if you train and you know how to do takedowns, that could be part of, uh, you know, the hard control scenario. But anyway, what I'm trying to get to is always be thinking about what can I do to de-escalate the situation? Is this situation escalating? What are steps I can take to de-escalate it? How can I create space here versus reduce space? Right. The only time I should be reducing space is if I'm going for a soft control, hard control or uh, deadly force, depending on what's going on. You know what I'm saying? But do you guys have any examples from your experiences, you know, quick stories of use of force continuum where it was like a real world situation? Yeah, I mean, uh, my first uh, my first Thanksgiving, I think, when I worked there, uh, we had a unit, Ashley unit. It was a bad unit. If you could go back, listen to my podcast, you'll hear all about it. But uh they were allowed to come out to eat chow, which they are normally fed in house. <clears throat> so when there, it was time for them to go back in the dorm, they weren't. Mm. They were refusing. We called it stagging. They were refusing to go back into the unit. Mm. Uh, you know, we called a rooftop detail, which is basically a bunch of COs hit the roofs with shotguns and a bunch of ammo, because at this point it's like turning to like a potential escape attempt. Mm. So we went from like them just saying hey we're not going back in and we're escalating to all right we're at lethal now mm. you know yeah um and we're all locked and loaded on the roof you know i've been there for maybe six months at this point so i'm like this is quite the welcome you yeah. know because yeah. there's about to be 90 really upset people on that yard you yeah because we 12 gauges with uh you know triple op buck you get hit with that you're not getting up like um and so all we were waiting on was that fire command. And my major, you know, good thing he's a very patient man. He also understood, you know, what was at stake. You know, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits, things like that after. Mm, yeah. You know, and he, he gave them multiple warnings, you know, verbally. Hey, you need to go back to the unit. They're like, we're not doing it, blah, blah, blah. Like, even with the presence of lethal, mm. they were still, like, trying to outlast us. You know, so the, the resounding thing was uh, we all racked him at the same time on command. And then basically we're like pointing them at the yard, like safeties are off. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm yeah. like 22 years old, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very eye-opening experience. Um, and finally, they were just like, you know, he got on the megaphone. He said, "I'm going to tell you one more time, and that's it." Mm-hmm. You know, so he went through all the protocol that he should have. Mm-hmm. The threat was there, but it wasn't right. We were okay to do it because yes, escape attempt, keeping control of the yard, whatever. But nobody was posing a threat. We're up on roofs, right? You know, all the other officers that are down below, they're behind a gate in the cafeteria. Like, there's no immediate threat, right. so there's no reason to go and just start lighting them up, right? You know. And when they finally figured out that we weren't playing, they went back in their unit. You know, we stacked the unit with probably about 20, 25 officers, locked everybody down. Mm. You know, good to go. Yeah. Uh, but just in the blink of an eye, we went from, "Hey, you need to go back." Hey, we're not doing it. Okay, well now there's shotguns pointing at you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty tense. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Luckily, you were able to 
de-escalate right. in that situation. My major, he's, he's he was a great guy. You yeah, know? They're, they're lucky you got him and not somebody who's like a little more hot-headed. Yeah, you know, because he gave them every opportunity and then some in the right. world because he didn't want right. to do it. Right, he didn't want us up there to have to do. Yeah, it. I don't think anybody know? wants to. In no, that absolutely not. You know? People talk like they do, but you don't. Yeah. Once you're right. in there, you do not want to right. do that. You right. know. Yeah. Chris, any situations uh, from your experiences? Yeah, I have, like so. Probably one of my one of the the best de-escalation uh, scenarios that I ran into. It was uh, I was on night shift at the time, a patrol officer, uh, and at our department you you run solo, but you do have like we're smaller town, so you got backup not too far away. Mm-hmm. But we got a call. I don't know. It was like it was late, probably one, two in the morning, something like that, about a guy in an RV on private property in a parking lot. And they wanted him gone. Whatever. Right. So uh, they were able to give us the license plate and it had a flag. So like when you run into, when you encounter somebody and let's say they fight law enforcement or they've, they've, mm. they they have a history of using weapons. These are things you can put in, in a system like NCIC so that if, if other law enforcement run into them in the future, they kind of have a heads up like, Hey, this person right. is likely to fight with you or whatnot. Right. So they ran the license plate. It's registered to this guy. They run the guy. He's got one of these flags saying no, known to fight law enforcement. And so this is assigned to me. So I roll up into this parking lot. I just, I see the, the RV, nothing, no, nothing is going on. And there's been no reports of like, this guy's causing problems. Literally it's just like, Hey, there's a camper on my property. I want it. I want it moved. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Hey, no big deal. You know, I'm, I'm at a, at a low level of arousal here, but mm-hmm. you're always ready. Of course. So as soon as I knock on this camper, this camper door, this RV door, Immediate, like, giant dog barking. You can hear it immediate. Mm. Going off. Door swings open, Mm. and the dog's coming out. And so, like, I immediately step back. You know, I'm creating space. And it's it's this guy, like, to this day, probably the scariest guy I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And, I mean, this dude is huge, massive. I mean, he's... Jacked. 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 He's he's just, like, you can tell he's super strong. He's scarred. His body is, like... Just like burn scars all over him, mm. uh, torn clothes, but he's holding this. He's holding this massive bully dog on a chain, like a literal chain. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, holy shit! And this 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 dog's jacked too. You know? You think he's on drugs or something? I don't like. He he opens the door aggressively. Like yeah. a lot going on in the yeah. camper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. he opens the door aggressively, like he's looking for. Like Trouble. he's like okay, like he yeah. he likely saw me pull up probably, and you know yeah. we have like the cruiser blue lights that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so he knew he knew you know the police were there but he's 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 ready you know what i'm saying so like immediately i'm i'm going i'm trying to de-escalate this but Mm -hmm. i'm also like really worried about this dog this is before i was a dog trainer knew anything about dogs but i mean looking back on it like that dog if he let that dog go it would have been bad you Mm -hmm. know and so uh i tell him hey can you put the dog up please you know and i'm being very nice trying to de-escalate things hey put the dog up he says no right so he's like not doing it and Mm -hmm. so like at that point it's like a challenge you know what i mean that's what i took it as like He's he's gonna what what what, am, what are we gonna do? I'm like, hey, cool man, you can keep the dog, but if you let that dog go, I'm gonna shoot him, right? So like, you told him that. I told him that. Yes. yes. So like, I'm, I said, I'm gonna, not him. I'm gonna shoot your dog. Like, hey, right, if you let that right. dog go, I'm gonna shoot your dog. Right. So like, I want to de- like I'm not gonna push it. We're like, hey, you better put that dog. Like, what am I gonna make him put the dog? Like, if I well, if you're I, holding the line though. Exactly. Right. Right. I'm right. so like I'm I'm kind of still wanting to de-escalate, but also letting him know like I'm using my my verbal commands right as, right. as on that on that continuum. You let that dog go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill your dog. Right. right. Uh, so like, 
around this time, I, I just start talking to the guy. Like, the dog kind of settles down. He's still definitely ready to go, but he's not barking or anything like this. So now I'm just talking to this guy. Hey, wh- hey, what's going on? We just got a call, you know, and I'm just like, hey, we got a call about you being parked here. Uh, they, they want you to kind of relocate. What are, you, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm just passing through. He's from, you know, another state or whatever. So I talked at this point my backup kind of arrives right so like there's there's two kind of two kind of officers de-escalators and there's escalators and we Mm. need we need both we Mm. need both in law enforcement that's my opinion my backup officer was an escalator Mm. right uh and so like and you have to have a way to communicate with your team uh you know kind of under the radar so he's pulling up and i'm giving him a hand signal to like just Mm. just just chill just stay back just stay back i got this you know what i mean yeah like i i I, very quickly the guy was de-escalating whether he was he probably just was not very threatened by me you know like Mm. i said i'm a smaller guy i'm softer approach you're warm i kind of i'm warm (laughs) right i laid down the law with him a little bit but i also was like just trying to talk to the guy Mm -hmm. and so like at the end of the day if, I think if a different officer, an escalator, let's say, showed up first, could oh, have yeah. gone a different way. Yeah. But the way just me talking to him, I'm like, hey, look, man, welcome welcome to Somerville or whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm talking to him, but, like, look, you, you can't park here. But, like, right down the road, there's there's a Walmart parking lot. They, they let people park there. They, they There's RVs there right now. If you can, can you just move over there and just you can sleep there for the night and then you'll be on your way. He's like, okay. He goes back in, closes the door. Like, some officers see that in as an opportunity like hey i'm gonna run this guy i'm gonna mm. run him for warrants i'm gonna do like mm. which okay yeah you can do but again we have his tag we had his information nothing else is popping other than he has an indicator for like history of violence all that kind of stuff but like at the end of the day he wasn't disturbing anybody i felt it was a better call to de-escalate that situation because i know it, w- it was gonna go bad yeah like that dog was gonna die that guy possibly like we're, we're gonna be we're gonna be tango and it's not gonna it wasn't in my favor at the time in the in the beginning right so in that situation de-escalate he moves on good to go problem solved you yeah. know what i'm saying so uh it's not always about aggression and, and right. escalating things de-escalating is, is definitely the way to yeah, go absolutely that's probably what he was used to though right he's probably up and doing that to him, so you know he goes right. on the defensive immediately right. he grabs the dog <laughs> right right well open. think about his experiences right. have not been positive with law enforcement right. whether right. that's for again like i don't know i don't know what right. has gone up but again like there are escalators that are even in law enforcement where they show up to a scene and their their immediate action is aggression, oh, yeah. which, again, we need that, too. Like, I'm not saying, you, you know, like I've had other cases where I'm like, I move out of the way for right. other for these yeah. escalator officers. Yeah. Hey, go handle that because, like, like the escalation is not, not an option here. <laughs> so, like, we need both of those things. I'm not saying one's better than the other, mm-hmm. but you have to be just like the use of force continuum. You have to be able to flow back mm-hmm. and forth between de-escalation and escalation and know when to go there. And I felt like I was close, like I was ready and I was also confident in my mm-hmm. abilities, right, to get my gun out of the holster and shoot this dog and mm-hmm. this guy if I needed to. Yeah, I didn't feel it needed to go to that point. I felt like just talk to the, just talk to this guy. You know right. what I'm saying? Act like a normal person, have a normal conversation. It will bring this guy down naturally, and right. and he moved on, and there was no issues. It, there's a lot, a lot of, of it uh, is just talking too. It is. It yeah. just works. Right. There's a lot of uh, principles of extreme ownership in your story. You know, detaching. You know, because mm-hmm. if you go there and he starts to be offensive bringing that big dog out you know you could escalate real quick 100 percent. or you could detach and really see the situation like it like it is Mm. and then say okay you know take ownership for your actions Mm -hmm. despite what he's doing yeah right which is what you did and then also you know you said there's aggressive people and that's good and sometimes not aggressive but if we are default aggressive that means we're taking the initiative right so you're taking the initiative you're like holding the line Mm -hmm. hey dude if you let go of your dog i'm gonna have to shoot him Right. right, right, It's right. just a matter of just fact a very clear, thing. very right. clear boundary that is right, being exactly. put in place. Yeah, matter of fact type thing, and then it's like, 
being default aggressive doesn't mean you're actually aggressive. It means you're taking the initiative. So you're taking the initiative. Hey, you know, there's a place down the street you can park at. We just need you to move, whatever. Okay. He locks it up. He's good to go. Right. So all that type of, all that type of stuff. But anyway, so that's kind of, you know, an overview of the use of force continuum. I'm always thinking about how can we move up or down in that use of force continuum? How can we escalate? How can we de-escalate? We always want to be de-escalating if we can, always creating space versus reducing space. But uh, with protection dogs specifically, you know, how could we layer them into the use of force continuum? And why would we want to do that, right? So when we're talking specifically about protection dogs, a lot of people think they want a protection dog a lot of people think that a protection dog is the way to go they think it's cool or whatever right but why would you get a protection dog like what is the purpose of getting a protection dog so from you guys's perspective what would the purpose be of getting a protection dog i mean to me it's just like a uh you know like a deterrent you know so if you have a full-on protection dog which i'm sure we'll talk about later there's a lot that goes into maintaining that if you have just like, how did you feel when that big dog started barking behind that door? I mean, know? yeah, like immediately, I'm yeah. like, this is I'm I'm in danger. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying. Like if I'm if I was not a police officer, I'm not I'm not approaching that guy. Yeah, you're not you getting closer. Exactly. No, right. you're like, not getting closer. So to me, it's a, it's a deterrent, and it's also like a notification system. Mm-hmm. You know, so Daniel doesn't bark much, but if something happens outside, he will let out like one or two, and mm-hmm. it'll snap me out of a dead sleep because I'm like, that's not right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So at that point, I know what's going on. I'm aware that something is happening checking my cameras whatever so to me right. that's about the only level that i i think i'd like to go you know mm-hmm. having a bite dog is cool for like sports and things like that but it's not something that i would look for as far as protect my home because to me it's like that's me once right. he notifies me i'm good right you know we'll handle it because if he's jumping up guy's got a gun he's all over him this is a great dane i can't get a clean shot i'm gonna shoot my dog right you know so then then that poses a problem too right yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point is like deterrent versus an actual protection dog that knows how to bite and is trained to bite yeah. and hold grips and things like that. A lot of dogs could be that level of deterrence, just barking, allowing them to bark, encouraging them to bark, having them trained at an advanced level where they adhere to commands. You know, that's probably going to be what most people need. And that's not even a protection dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But Chris, what is what do you, from your perspective, the purpose of a full on protection dog yeah i mean like when i so when i first got into dog training i was like i was all about it right Mm -hmm. so like to me the protection stuff is fun i enjoy it uh i like i like working a dog in a bite suit i like doing bite work like that's fun right but uh at the end like as i've developed and kind of developed myself in in all of these things that we're talking about my firearm skills doing jujitsu all that stuff like the protection dog thing has kind of moved way down you know what i'm saying and so I look at it like, let's say somebody is first getting into this defense thing. It's like you get a gun and then you don't ever train with it. You know what I'm saying? So like Mm -hmm. you have that, you can get this false sense of security Mm -hmm. to where you're relying on this other thing. Well, I just got, I have a gun. Well, do you know how to use that? Right. Well, I have a dog. Like, cool. It it is a deterrent. Like that's the, in my opinion, that's the the best use of a dog is as a deterrent. Mm -hmm. Right. But when we're talking about getting a legit protection dog, the amount of time and money that you're going to have to put into it, you're going to be better off, in my opinion, 
getting a firearm and paying for some firearms training as well as doing a martial arts. Like I would, I would focus on yourself more, mm-hmm. uh, developing those, those closer layers to yourself. Um, because again, like we've talked about, like no one's coming to save you. That would, inc- I would put a dog in that category as well. Right? right. Like perhaps our dog will come to save us. Perhaps not. Do we really know? Like, right. and am I going to, am I going to bet my life or my kids or my family's life on that dog? No, I'm going to take that stuff into my own, my own hands. But mm-hmm. it is a good, it, it can be a good layer to have, but I think when we talk about the general public, I don't think it's a big, like, it's not something that I really recommend for a lot of people. I say just mm-hmm. get a dog as a deterrent. Yeah, I right. have, I have interviewed a lot of burglars, robbers, uh, and I know for a fact that a dog is, is a factor that will, di- that will make them move on to another target. It makes someone a hard target exactly. versus a soft target. Right. If you have exactly. no dog, you could be a soft target. If you just have a dog, any dog yeah. that makes noise or is walking around you could move into a hard target category. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Now, there are, like, there's a smaller class of criminals that don't give a shit about your dog. Right. They don't give a shit about your gun, your knife, all of that stuff. That's where those, that's where those, that personal defense, those skills in martial arts or uh, firearms handling, whatever, uh, is going to be a factor. Like, you know, hey, I have my dog to protect the the house. Like, I know, I know criminals. Like, I've interviewed burglars that, like, yeah, yeah, you just you just go to the go to the freaking grocery store, get you some raw meat. You you break in the door, you throw the meat. The dogs go in. I gotta go in and take what I want. Like, literally, people have told me that. You know, yeah. it's like people know how to navigate, how to how to bypass that that level of of the dog as well. So, like, right. I feel like people when they when they reach out to us, hey, I want a protection dog. I think you're putting too much into that protection dog mm-hmm. when you should put more into yourself, and then just add, maybe later we add a dog as a layer. Yeah. Like you guys were saying, you know, a protection dog fully trained, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be a lot of time. It's also going to increase your liabilities. Mm, Because if your dog makes a bad decision and uh, rips open the uh, arm of a family member or a friend or, you know, uh, a delivery person or uh, the people that deliver your food, whatever that's called, or your groceries, you know, if they make a bad decision and uh, they do that, or maybe you employ your dog improperly Mm -hmm. maybe you have not properly used the use of force continuum which is why anybody that ever goes serious with us with protection dogs they're going to get a briefing on use of force continuum because that's the most important thing to understand because i've seen people they've done some protection work they're in a situation they think it's right to employ the dog when it's actually not right Right. now you're going to get sued because your dog caused major damage to somebody and uh you know that's an increased liability for you Right, so you have to know when to employ your dog, when to not. Your dog also has to know how to make good decisions, how to not. So, for the average person, I think you know a lot of people they think it's cool, whatever, you know, and it is fun, like Chris said, to do protection style training. Um, but for the average person, I don't think when we're talking about actual protection, it's only one element. And if I'm a bad guy walking into your house and a dog charges me, I might just shoot that dog, right? Or I might be on PCP, which is a uh, hard drug is it a narcotic technically or is it uh synthetic? I, I don't i don't actually know I would anyway it's a hard drug you know it's going to basically alter the nerves of that person so they can't feel pain like they used to they mm. think they're superman basically and uh, your dog moment they are <laughs> yeah and your dog could bite them and they literally wouldn't care they could blast it in the head yep. and now they're still coming for you right so just something to keep in mind when we're actually talking about an overall protection plan which is why today's discussion 
includes the protection planning aspect as well because a protection dog is just one aspect of it so you know for most people i think probably you know you're better off spending the time and money training yourself being more aware stuff like that having a dog you know a highly trained dog right even a dog with some barking training to bark on command or stop barking on command that kind of stuff that could be an element of your protection layers for the protection dog itself you know for most people probably not going to be uh something that most people should be looking at now with that being said let's say you do want a protection style dog right you can be involved in protection sports like schutzen the ring sports uh, protection sport association or canine street league you can train in clubs that are usually pretty local to you mm-hmm. for all these sports and these protection scenarios with your dog and then you can compete with your dog and a lot of times this kind of stuff will translate over to actual protection uh style work in your overall protection layers your protection planning you know what i'm saying so that could be one way you could get involved in that kind of stuff or you could actually go through a trainer and get a high level trained protection dog it's going to be very expensive very time consuming right but those are kind of two ways you could do that so let's say we are going to get a protection dog selecting a protection dog right you want to make sure that your dog is confident if you have insecurity or nervousness in your dog or if you're selecting puppies and you see insecurity or nervousness in the puppies or the parents that's probably going to be a red flag for a protection dog you want to pick out a confident a dominant type dog right because if this dog gets into an altercation with somebody you don't want that dog to run away you don't want that dog to shut down that dog has to be confident enough to actually stay in that scenario with loud noises with gunshots with getting injury to the dog the dog may get stabbed you still want that dog to press on right and we have done a whole podcast on selecting puppies and i think that applies to protection dogs as well because uh, you want to make sure you have that confidence level there you want to make sure you're getting a good dog if you take a dog that has some insecurity and then you force it into protection training like you know i've seen people do in the past that just increases your liabilities even more because that insecure dog is not going to be able to make good decisions like a confident dog would be able to you know what i'm saying and then raising a protection dog right so let's say you got a puppy uh raising a protection dog you want to make sure that dog is exposed to as much as possible so the neuro pathways in their brain open up and they they have more neuro pathways right you want to make sure they're well socialized well trained and uh, that all the things that a protection dog needs to do like have a good grip on an item or object know how to counter properly know how to handle stressors right all these types of things need to be handled uh, during the raising of that protection dog right so there's a lot of different elements that go into it as you're raising a protection dog um, until they get to the point where they're actually ready to do protection style things and if you're involved in a protection sport like schutzen ring sports protection sport association or canine street league a lot of times these clubs you bring your young dogs to the club meetups you know where they all train together they're going to be helping you right give you some homework helping you know how to raise your dog properly so that it can compete at a high level in the sport and and like i already said translate those skills over to actual protection scenarios in your everyday life (laughs) And then some people ask, you know, should an older dog be used for protection work? You know, you got to be careful. You know, if your dog's always biting things, you know, like bite sleeves and, uh, you know, targets and all that kind of stuff, 
you have a couple things that, that could possibly happen. Number one, your dog's teeth could wear down. You know, you could uh, incur some type of injury, just like with any heavy exertion, right? Physical exertion, that's basically what you're doing with your dog. Uh, there could be some type of injury to the dog's spine, to the hip, to the shoulder, to the mouth, right? So you got to think about those kind of expenses as well, right? Um, just something to think about. Um, but older dogs, you know, again, if they're a, a proper dog, you could use them for protection work. You could train them for protection work. You could train them for sport and all that kind of stuff. But again, the main thing is they need to be confident. They need to be an able to handle those situations. So most of the time, you'll want to test that dog. <laughs> you'll want to test their prey drive. You'll want to test their defense drive to see, is this dog going to be suitable for protection style training? You know, if you go into a defense drive test, and that dog's trying to run away from the stressor that's being, uh, you know, applied to them, that's going to be a red flag, probably not going to work out for actual protection style training, right? So if you want a protection dog, you know, there's so many different factors to go into. Um, I would highly recommend that you're going to want to reach out to a experienced trainer that understands protection dogs and can kind of step you through this stuff, help you select a dog if you need to. Or like I said, if you're just looking to get into protection sports, you know, go meet with your local club, ask them. They probably know good breeders. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to get a <coughs> Doberman or a Dutch Shepherd or a Malinois or a German Shepherd, whatever you want to use, they probably have some breeders they know of that produce good genetic uh, dogs that are good for protection work or protection sports, right? And then let's say you actually have a dog and you're going to do some protection training with it. You're going to need to do prey drive training, which trains that dog how to operate in prey drive, which is a dog's natural desire to chase and grab things with their mouth, right? They need to know how to apply a proper grip, and a grip is basically the way the dog bites onto something. <coughs> For a protection dog, you don't want that dog biting and releasing something. You want it biting, holding onto something, you know, countering, which is putting that object deeper into their mouth, gripping harder, not letting go, right? Those types of things. If your dog is a thrasher, you might have to train that dog to try and curtail the thrashing so it can have a calm grip, right? And then once you get through the prey drive work, you have to go to the defense drive work, which is applying stressors to the training. <clears throat> then you have to go into even more advanced skill sets, which is which is may, maybe moving away from you to apply some type of protection uh, behavior or detection of certain things. So there's just a lot of elements that go into it. But that's kind of a brief overview of details on protection dogs, right? Again, if you're looking to get into that kind of stuff, I would highly recommend that you get into a protection sport, get involved into a protection sport, meet with a local protection sport club <coughs> that you can train with, right? That's going to be more cost effective for you than just training one-on-one -on -one with a protection dog trainer, honestly, because it's a lot of people trying to work their dogs together. Um, so just some things to think about specifically for protection dogs, but do understand that if you go down that path, you get a dog, you start training it how to bite at these advanced levels and cause major damage, you're increasing your liabilities, right? If that dog makes a bad decision <coughs> or if you're relying upon this dog and the dog, you know, flights, maybe you picked a wrong, the bad, a wrong dog, or maybe your dog made a bad decision in one scenario and flights away from a threat. Now it's you and the threat. What are you going to do in that case? So like I said, the protection dog is just one element of your overall protection plan, your layers. So even if you do have a protection dog, you should still be knowing, you know, martial arts, how to defend yourself and 
you know, defensive pistol techniques, how to defend yourself with a firearm, how to defend yourself with your hands, with your body. You know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, that's the quick and easy on protection dogs, but continuing on into our layers, right? So we have the protection dog, maybe, maybe not, or maybe we just have a dog that barks, which could be a good deterrent, right? You could get like a, a German shepherd. You can get a Doberman. You can train that dog to bark and stop barking on command. <coughs> you could train that dog to be at a very advanced level of training where they're off leash capable, right? You could train that dog to walk a perimeter around your yard or whatever for that presence element of the use of force continuing and continuum in your protection layers, right? You don't actually have to go into the actual bite work portion of protection training. You could stop there at the deterrent level, right? Which is going to be more cost effective for you and just overall uh, more suitable for the average day person. But what you should be doing yourself is getting involved in self-defense training, maybe jujitsu, maybe uh, some other type of uh, mixed martial arts, right? But learning how to uh, use your body right? If someone grabs you and they're starting to choke you, how are you going to get out of that choke, right? If you're a uh, lady walking through a parking lot and someone comes up behind you, wraps their arm around your head and says, don't make any noise, come with me. And they've got you in a firm grip. They throw you in the back of a car. They start taking you somewhere. You know, what are you going to do if you don't know how to use your body to defend yourself? If you're not having that awareness or that mindset of, okay, this person grabbed me, now I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, right? Because you haven't been training it. When that scenario happens, if it does happen, hopefully it never happens. But there's just so, you can look it up. It happens all the time, right? People get grabbed. People get, uh, you know, unfortunately things happen to people. So how ready can you be is the question, you know? So having that uh, self-defense training, that mixed martial arts training is one element. But also, if we're creating space, building space, maintaining space, possibly using a uh, firearm like a pistol. Maybe you need to know your defensive pistol techniques and tactics. Maybe you need your concealed weapons permit. Go through concealed weapons permit training, right? Because just like with a dog, you're liable for what your dog does. If you're using a firearm and you miss your target and you accidentally hit grandma that's behind your target off to the side, that's a liability as well. Your name's on that round. You know what I'm saying? So that's why the training is needed. You know what I'm saying? So uh, these are all elements that you should be thinking about. Training to use your body to defend yourself. Training to use, you know, tools like a firearm to defend yourself. Possibly having a dog involved in your overall protection layers and protection plan. So any thoughts on uh, that, that topic? I mean, all of this stuff is a lifestyle thing, you know, uh, just like a dog. Just like, even if you're just doing obedience, these things need to be maintained, you know what I mean? So it's not enough, whatever it is, okay, I'm going to do jujitsu. It's not a matter of like, okay, I took a couple of classes. I know some moves. I'm good to go. Like you need to continually train, uh, against different people, sparring with different people. So you're learning how people move. You're learning body language, right? So like even just, just doing repetitions of, let's say, for example, Chad taking me down the way he's moving at me. And then I, then I do it with Ben. Then I do it with Kevin. I'm learning human body language, right? So like now I'm out on the street and somebody's approaching me in a certain way. Like I can, I can, it's just going to speed up my reaction time, right? But same thing with a dog. Like when we're doing protection work, I don't think people understand the complexity in, that's involved with that, but it's like that stuff has to be main, maintained and you have mm-hmm. to do all these different scenarios with, with these dogs to show them these different pictures of how to react. Like you mentioned, what if my dog runs away? You could have this 
picture in your mind, you're like, hey, I'm, I just say my attack command and my dog goes and attacks in whatever scenario, right? Well, it's like, can your, has your dog ever attacked a decoy from inside the car? You know, can I send my dog into a car? Can my dog attack through a doorway? Can I, can I send my dog at a distance to go attack somebody? Like there's all these different scenarios that you have to work through with, with a dog for them to be able to perform. Otherwise, it's like even with all the training, only, I've only trained a couple of specific scenarios. Now we run into a scenario we've never encountered before. What's, what's going to happen? My dog's just going to be a little bit confused. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I've n- never done this before, right? Or if we haven't trained with, with any kind of pressure from a decoy or something like that, now a criminal gives some pressure and the dog just shuts down or, or runs away or whatever because it's never been, been trained for that. Same thing for yourself, right? Like if, I, if I've not trained, I've just done a couple of jujitsu classes and I learned a couple of moves, but now I've never really tested it with somebody giving me pressure back. I don't know... Can I can I survive with a little bit of discomfort? If somebody does have me in like a, a chokehold or something like that, they start putting some pressure, you know, and it's like, man, maybe that choke's not all the way in, but but it hurts, right? Can I, can I survive that and think through that? Mm-hmm. And you can't really teach yourself to do that until you start doing it, right? Same thing for your firearms skills. Like, okay, yeah, it's one thing to go to the, I'll go down to, you know, Palmetto State Armory and, and shoot at 25 yards with my pistol at a stag, uh, a stationary target, paper mm-hmm. target. Yeah. I can get really good at that really quick. And then a lot of people, what do they do? All right, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What if, what if that target's moving, advancing towards you, going to the side? You're running. You're moving. Your heart rate's up. You know, have mm-hmm. you ever even shot with your heart rate up? Like, your, your accuracy's going <laughs> to degrade just a little bit, right? Yeah. And so, like, all of these things is, like... It, 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 what I'm saying is it's a, it's a lifestyle thing. You have to continually train all of these layers of protection, whether it's a dog, firearm, knife skills, uh, even even your verbal skills, your ability to communicate with people is super important. Being able to de-escalate things, all these things have to be trained, and it's a lifestyle. Uh, uh, last thing I'm thinking of is like watching criminals in the act this is something i do a lot like i follow pages tactical hive they have an instagram they're really good because they share these videos of Mm. people getting abducted people getting attacked people where it might be like a let's say a child abduction but they show the whole video of the guy kind of lingering and you can see Mm. his body language he's doing something weird he's Mm. being shifty right so like watching these types of videos a lot of people steer clear of it you know like i've sent them to my family members like why do you send me these things like it's Mm. gory it's graphic i understand that Mm. but watching these things you can learn how people act you can learn what they're doing just prior to a violent act and now you see these things in out in the world you can mm-hmm. you can almost spot like i went i went on a cruise several years ago with my family and i immediately spotted some pickpocketers like i could mm-hmm. see their scoping people out i can just see that because of the body language that i've learned you know what i mean that and now nothing ha- had to happen but as i'm walking by these people i look them in the eyes hey how you guys doing right now i'm just mm-hmm. addressing that you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so like watching these types of criminal acts go down whether it's on the news or facebook or whatever like i would encourage you to to look at those things so you can kind of learn body language uh to to better help you live this lifestyle yeah Yeah. i think most people too uh you know we get full of ourselves so it's like the check the ego thing yeah you know because most people ah, i'll be able to hit i see Mm. red bro i see red Mm. you know you hear from these people all the time (laughs) and it's like i think that that was a big problem uh it it is a big problem like the three per prepper community you know, because a lot of these guys, they're, they're huge. They're, you know, they're vastly overweight. They're comfortable. Mm. They think as they can shoot and scoot a little bit, you know, they'll, they'll be good to go. And I'm thinking, all right, well, you get somebody like Chad who can run a mile in like four and a half minutes. <laughs> He's strong. <laughs> he anymore. works out regularly. You know, <laughs> he trains all stuff. He gets on top of you and wants what you have. What are these guys going to do? They're right. going to buckle, you know. So it's like 
check your ego so you can be ready for it. I mean, I had it too to where I was like, I got comfortable, I got guns, it's fine, or I can do this, do that. And now I'm doing the jujitsu, it's like, okay, you know, it's getting me back into like the swing of things. Because mm-hmm. even when I was at the prison, like I didn't train anything, but I was very capable. You know, mm-hmm. I was in shape, was able to go. I mean, I fought two dudes for eight minutes. Yeah. Eight minutes on my feet, mm-hmm. you know, fighting these guys are trying, trying to fucking kill me. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I managed to make it through that. When I got to medical, I wasn't even like super winded. Nowadays, I'd probably be a little, uh, yeah. little winded. <laughs> age, you know, let, let my weight go a little bit, but we're getting yeah. back there, boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing that, uh, you know, that brings up is also your training, your, how to use your body. Yeah. You're training to be aware. You're training how to use tools. If you have a dog, you're you're involved in that, but also your own health, your own fitness, your own conditioning. Mm. Like you won't know how you're actually going to respond until you're in that situation. And then you're still, you know. So if you're actually training in a in a class or with a group of people that you trust, and you guys are practicing on each other, you can take yourself to that level where you're getting choked out. You can take yourself to that level where you're, you know, hand to hand combating for you know minutes and that will smoke you if you're not ready for it even if you are ready for it you know the fatigue that you feel the fatigue afterward that you feel let's say you have to do that then you have to build space and you have to take a shot you know with your uh firearm for whatever reason whatever's going on are you capable to do that are you able to do that if you're eating fast food every day you know guarantee you someone's (laughs) gonna run right over you you know what i'm saying if you're not used to ramping your heart rate up with uh, cardiovascular fitness you know what i'm saying like cardio is not just for fat loss you know it's not even primarily for fat loss it should be to get your heart and your system used to increasing and decreasing you know used to ramping itself up ramping itself down you know training your strength so that you can actually stay with somebody in a fight if you need to you know like that also brings up that bad guys aren't always going to be like us. They're going to be on drugs. Yeah. We already talked about PCP, which basically makes a person feel like Superman and they feel nothing. So even if you shoot someone on PCP multiple times, they can still come at you, act like nothing's going on. You know. So now what do you do? Now you got to you got to shut off the uh, the main computer, which is yeah. their head. You got to do a choke on. Them. You know, it depends. So you know, there's just so many elements and uh, people that have bad intentions. They're not all in their right mind they might be under the influence of something which is benefiting them you know it's impacting our ability to defend ourselves and our assets and our family and whatever else is going on yeah right so that's something else you have to be prepared for so your health and fitness plays a big role in it as well right training is definitely huge because even like when we were doing the last class with the weapons retention right you know and I was with Aaron. Aaron is significantly smaller than me. Mm-hmm. When we're first going at it, she's trying to draw the weapon. Mm-hmm. I'm totally dominating her from the top because I'm using my size and my strength. She's only using one part of her body. Mm. So I said, Aaron, use your legs. Mm. So she started twisting and contorting me, mm-hmm. and now it's changing the game up because, you know, she's a strong individual too. Right. And, uh, you know, so that's good because you always have to maintain that because you get mm-hmm. – even in the class like that, you get so focused on trying to retain the weapon. Right. That's all you're worried about. Well, what else is going on in the environment? Right. Guy could be running up to kick you across your face. You right. know what I mean? So it's like – being able to adapt and use every part of your body or just what's available to you in the moment, right. you know, is going to help you out in the long run. Well, even even in the, even the way you train can affect your mentality, mm-hmm. right? Like I remember in law enforcement days when we do like active shooter training or whatever, and you'd have like a bad guy with a, you know, we'd use simunition, basically like airsoft guns or whatever, you know, and like 
you shoot and it hits you in the arm and oh you got me like no like don't you keep you get a shot so fuck what like you, you keep going you know yeah. what i'm saying or like like our drills that we were doing like okay you pointed the gun at me like yeah you got me now we'll keep fighting for that gun like right. mm-hmm. just that should be your mentality where it's like just because i'm shot or stabbed or whatever like like very quickly you can train your mentality to either go well i'm i'm effed i'm done you yeah. know what i'm saying or don't care like yeah. uh dwight who, who we've interviewed he's like he said it at our class like you keep going until you can't even if you get shot well i don't know he said one of the organs liver, liver shot or something yeah, right because you still got so. 10 minutes right <laughs> or you got two minutes or whatever before you're done so it's like like yeah you got two minutes to fuck that yeah. dude up or whatever yeah well in the heat of the moment it's not even really registering anyway i've never been shot but i've been stabbed twice yeah. and both times i had no idea that i was stabbed yeah. until after and everything is coming down right. right you know so you just gotta be ready to keep going going right. going because yeah. not even gonna register yeah so all of a sudden you start it starts getting dark you're like oh, yeah what's going on? yeah <laughs> i mean that is also part of the health and fitness like if you're doing like an intense workout and you just stop because you're like oh this is hard yeah versus right. just keep going you're already building your mindset to have that mentality you don't know how to push through right, difficulty to push through a challenge right so uh continuing on you know let's talk about some possible protection plans for different scenarios so let's say personal protection this is just you out in the town somewhere or out in a public area you know you could have your elements of your uh, self-defense plan could be your uh, martial arts or your jujitsu techniques. Could be if you have a tool with you like a uh, p- pistol. Could be a knife, right? That could be part of your protection plan. But that's already at the end of the use of force continuum. That's at that deadly force piece. Um, if you have a dog with you when you're out and about, you know, having that dog in a trained state, right? If someone sees you walking around with like a, uh, you know, big dog or a medium sized dog, that's well trained. That could deter a lot of people oh, from even get out of the way. Right. Progressing the street from right, standing. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's just part of that presence aspect of the use of force continuum. Right. Um, so if you start escalating through your use of force, you got your presence, which could be your dog. It could just be you. Right. If someone's approaching you, maybe you start asking them, hey, how's it going? How can I help you? If they seem to be showing you some special attention, Mm. looking at you a little bit too much. Hey, how's it going? How can I help you? Right. Something like that. And then if they close distance to you, you could increase distance. Hey, how can I help you? Right. Don't please don't get any closer. Right. You can say things like that. And then if they do keep getting close to you, you could use a soft control, which would be like your uh, mixed martial arts experience, grabbing their wrists, you know, using their wrists putting it into a position, right? Where you're able to manipulate their body with their wrist, right? Or maybe you have to take them down. Maybe you have to escalate to a hard control. Then once you have them taken down, you de-escalate back up. You don't continue to lethal force. You just maintain them in a certain uh, position until help can arrive or law enforcement can arrive. Hey, call the cops. Hey, call police, right? To people that are around you. So those are some thoughts about personal protection planning when you're out and about in a public area you're always thinking about how could you escalate de-escalate what's going on around you right or can you maintain the reactionary <laughs> gap right you know that it's, it's still about i have some clients that are close talkers mm. so like i'll say something they're like move in like yeah. this close yeah. to me i'm like okay like, yeah. i know they're yeah. not a threat but it's still right. it's like it's irking me right you know what I right mean? yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you can maintain that reactionary gap until they show you something you need to escalate or until you can't maintain it anymore yeah, you're back into a wall. All right, well, now it's go time. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Right. Well, we talked about it. it's good to have all of those options. Like, if you don't have hard control, you gotta you got to skip that, right? So, like, right. I think about this, like, 
it is it's a continuum right so if we start at presence like those are things you can you can you can literally work on your presence as real like how do you carry yourself you know what i'm saying are you always looking down at the ground mm-hmm. are, you are you always on your phone yeah, good or point. like the way you enter a room you know what i'm saying or like or the way you respond to body like like let's say that that gas station scenario you bought up a guy walks away i don't if i'm that person i don't want conflict maybe i shrug my shoulders down i look away i don't mm-hmm. want to like engage with that person right so like just that level of presence can can label you as a target or label you as a somebody that would, that would be easy to to take versus that person comes around and maybe i maybe i straighten up right and i turn right. towards them i look them in the eye and, and i'm still being nice like i'm not I'm being super aggressive but my body language and this is stuff that i've learned too like the more you work with dogs how you see how they communicate mm-hmm. with each other mm-hmm. like we do the same stuff but right. like the way you carry your presence can be a huge factor right and then like i also wrap into that like what I where where I'm like not going out late at night, different things like that that right. you can set up in your life to where it's like ah, I'm not going to find myself at a gas station at at midnight most of the time, right? right? So like that's part of the presence thing as well. Like where is my presence? You know that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, I've been told that I walk, you know, arrogantly. Yeah, like it's, it's just conf- people mistake yeah. confidence for arrogance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's why I go into a store or something like that. It's just from the time at the pin. Mm-hmm. I'm head up, shoulders yeah. back. I'm looking around. You know, even when we were working through distraction work with Aaron, I'm like, hey, when you go out here, head on a swivel, check right. the aisles as you're coming because you don't know what's going to come out at right. you. You know, just being prepared for something like that. People see that, they're not going to. I mean, it helps. You know, I'm tall. I'm covered in tattoos. I'm a bigger guy. Right. You know, so I'm already not the ideal target but doesn't mean i can't be one sure you know so it should still practice these things you know to be prepared for that yeah well uh, you are the ideal target for having a conversation with if you're a stranger yeah. out in public <laughs> public relations kevin over here <laughs> but yeah so uh you know if you're out by yourself all those different elements definitely apply but are you aware too you know like yeah. we were saying that presence aspect is super important and a lot of times that can be the main factor that's going to protect you from a potentially bad situation you know what I'm saying? Um, so then, like, let's say you're out with your family somewhere going out to dinner, right? This changes the game completely because mm-hmm. me, I have two kids. I have a wife, yeah. right? So now if they are with me, now I've got to be aware of what they're doing, right? And they're not even thinking about it or the kids aren't even thinking about, you know, the different scenarios that could happen. And so I've got to pay attention to people that are that are in the situation around me or maybe I'm meeting up with, you know, a friend and, and their family, right? Now I'm thinking about them too obviously my family is the number one priority but also it's like hey the group is the priority right so again it it applies to this scenario as well having your mixed martial arts training having your tools your defensive pistol techniques available having your use of force continuum in your head having your presence available right if your kids start wandering too far away you know making sure that they maintain a certain uh, perimeter to you guys right that kind of thing and uh, now, if something does happen, now you might be holding a kid while you're doing something. You might be mm-hmm. holding a, one of your children while you're having to use your tool, your firearm, to protect yourself or your family. Are you prepared? Are you ready to actually hold a 40 or 50-pound human being that's moving, thrashing, you know, escalating your heart rate while you're taking shots at the same time? Or while you're maybe you have to take somebody down and your kid's involved in the scenario, mm-hmm. right? So now you have more bodies around more things around again going back to health and fitness are you prepared to ramp up your body to that or are you going to literally fall over and croak because your body just can't handle it right so what do you guys think about family protection i mean now you're talking it gets complex you know what i'm saying so now like this these are just 
I'm always running scenarios in my head. What do I do if this happens? What do I do if this? Well, what do I do if this happens and then this? What I do doesn't work, right? Mm. So like, I think of like if I'm sitting at a table in a restaurant and somebody comes in and starts shooting, active shooter. Like, do I even want to engage that person necessarily right now and draw fire towards my family? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, can I? Let's say he's 25, 50 yards away. Can I make a headshot and immediately stop that threat with my pistol? Ah, I don't know. I don't know how confident I'm going to be in that. So like, do I want to draw? fire towards my family or do I want to have some systems in place maybe I have my wife like I, I say some code word she knows that means get under the table or get the kids get out I'm going to go engage this thing and I'm moving away from my family maybe maybe that's just not the situation where I'm going to be the hero and I'm taking care of my family and we're grabbing them we're going out the exit because because I'm maybe seated by the exit and I can get out mm. and maybe maybe I get my family secure and then I can go in and help or, or maybe that time maybe that time I'm just the one calling for help. I don't know. Like it's it's hard to sit. Like I, I don't recommend people put you, put that you put yourselves in those boxes of hey, if there's a shooter, I'm get, I'm shooting that right. person. You know what I'm right. saying? It's not that easy. It's not that simple. It gets more complex than that. So right. like you have to have all these different alternatives going on in your head as to what's going to be the best option in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. I don't see how y'all do it. <laughs> Oh, all the yeah. all the stuff that y'all know is going on in the world, all the atrocities. I'd be a fucking helicopter parent. Well, I've yeah. seen a uh, <laughs> video of a like a mom and her kids sitting on the patio of a restaurant. A couple dudes walk by. They jumped over the fence. They grabbed the kid. They jumped back over. Yeah. The mom grabbed onto one leg of the kid. They're literally playing tug of war with this kid because they were trying to grab the kid for human trafficking. Right. And this happened in the United States. And then eventually, like the mom was able to retain the child. You know, but like that kind of stuff happens too. And if you're not paying attention to your kid, okay, they can get grabbed so fast right? or again the complexities like i there's been times where i just go and i'm like i'm having some father-son time and i it's me by myself with two kids i got one in a stroller and i got my toddler and it's like two dudes come and they're they've targeted my toddler to snatch him up it's like where, where like there's right. so many things like do i go hands-on with this guy and now i leave my other my other baby exposed in the stroller over right. here or do, do i quickly because of the circumstances do i skip all these things and i'm going to deadly force right. you know what i'm saying because we're talking about kidnapping which you can use deadly force for by law you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so like it just gets super super complex that's i think that's where all this training stuff comes in because like the more you train and put yourself through different scenarios like we let's just talk about jujitsu let's say we're gonna practice the arm bar with all four of us there might be different avenues that all three of you are going to take to get right. me in an arm bar right and i'm learning how to navigate through the those different scenarios same thing for firearms training same thing for all this other stuff where it's like that's why you want to watch all these videos of all these kidnappers going on because it's like oh i didn't think about that avenue that gives me something else to think about so that's where training is going to be a, a big factor as to what what am i going to do to protect my family and also walk through talk through the scenarios yeah. you know i know me and chris our families train once a, at least once a month together mm-hmm. um and we walk through talk through scenarios like hey if we're out at at a restaurant eating and this happens, what would we do? Let's do this, let's do that. You know, that kind of stuff. So having walk through, talk through with your family, with your friends, people that you're commonly around, you know, known as the tribe, you know, that type of thing, that's gonna help you as well. Because what you don't want to do is for a situation to happen and everyone's freaking out, doesn't know what to do. No. You want to have some layer of, of uh, knowledge of what to do. Or even if we, you and I have training, we're training, but we're not communicating. Mm. You might be on one track. Hey, I'm going, I'm going aggressive. And right. I'm like, hey, right. I'm kind of going on the retreat. And we're, right. not, we're not communicating. Now it's just chaos and confusion. Right. So let's talk about protection plans for your house and your estate. I think those are together in my mind. So your house is like literally your dwelling. Your estate would be like your property, right? And some people have larger estates. Some people have, you know, small cookie cutter neighborhood estates right so again 
going through the protection layers, you've got perimeter, early warning, baseline layers, security layers. You've got your use of force continuum, which is your presence, verbal commands, soft control, hard control, deadly force. But now we've got the house, we've got the estate. So some of my thoughts are we've got perimeter, right? Fence is going to be a good deterrence. It's going to be a good perimeter especially if you have a large property. Like if you're in a neighborhood, you're probably not going to be allowed to have a fence in your front yard. But if you have a large property, having a fence on your perimeter is going to be a deterrent. It's going to make you a harder target. If you have a larger property, you have a property gate and you keep it closed, you know, that's going to make you a harder target versus a property gate that's left open. If you're in a neighborhood, you leave your garage door open. That's going to make you a softer target than somebody that usually keeps their doors secured right? That kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's your perimeter right there. Mm. And then you've also got going back to dogs. If you've got a dog, you know, that mainly is residing at your house, at your estate, having your dog's presence be known. Maybe it's in the backyard. Maybe when you're in the front yard, it's with you. People can see that you have it under very good advanced levels of training and control, right? The dog doesn't leave the yard. It stays with you. It is looking around. Maybe they see that it's friendly with a lot of people. Maybe not. You know, if someone's trying to case out your property, which is, you know, basically assessing your property for potential uh, attack, you know, if they see a dog that's not looking that friendly, that's going to make you a harder target. You know what I'm saying? So just some things to think about. Then you have your security cameras, right? You have your signs that say, hey, this property or this house is under video surveillance, right? Dog on premises, right? Knock on the door. Don't just walk in. Those kind of things, right? All these types of layers are important right? And then like inside your house, you know, can someone easily kick your door open? Or do you have certain controls in in place with your door that makes it harder to kick open? They have a lot of tools and devices that make it harder to kick open doors, Mm. right? And uh, windows and stuff like that too. If someone busts through a window, is there an alarm that's automatically going off with your security system or not? Is your dog going off or not, right? Depending on what's going on. And then if they get into your security layers, what's the actions of your family? You know, are you going to use a tool like maybe a shotgun or a pistol, right, to defend Mm -hmm. the family in the house? Are you going to be going hands-on with somebody? You know, do the kids know what to do? Maybe, maybe not. What if there's a fire in the house? Now you have to get out of the house, right? That's not really a protection scenario, but it is from a different element of now we're trying to protect ourselves from an environmental, right, stressor, an environmental threat. So, like, what are the different plans for these different situations, you know what I'm saying? So all that's kind of going through my head as I go through a house and a state defense. Also, if you have a larger property, got to say it, the guineas, the guinea fowl. <laughs> that's your early warning, right? They're, they'll let you know if there's something. And if you were listening earlier in the podcast, we had them walking around us. So you probably heard them munching on some ticks and fleas around us but and spiders. But that's your early warning. They make certain noises if something abnormal is going on right? And then you can investigate it further or you can let a dog investigate it further depending on what's going on. So again, depending on your setup, depending on your home or estate, these are all different factors you could have in place. What are some other thoughts you guys have? I know most people, most people hear this from prior, like, oh, these guys are paranoid. (laughs) Right, right, right. So like the world is not a nice place. Right. Whatever kind of comfort level people have fallen into, evil evil exists and evil is going to always do harm to good who are not you know taking these actions it could be something little like i was talking to you y'all about the other day while we were at class you know i'm buying blackout curtains for all my windows that i'm going to roll down at night Mm -hmm. because if somebody gets through my door 
it's pitch black. Mm-hmm. I know that layout. I have a strobe on my pistol. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know. They don't know where I'm coming from, what, what what's right. going on. Or just like I said, I have my screen door on my back door locked. I have my storm door on my front door locked because it's going to take them that much more effort to get through two layers. Right. Now I'm better prepared. I've looked at the cameras. I know what's going on. When they make entry, I'm ready. Right. You mm-hmm. know? So just little things like that that can be done. To, you don't have to, you know have steel shutters that roll right, down in right. a panic room and all right. that would be nice right. but yeah, yeah. um you know just little things that you can do to make yourself that much of a hard target somebody right. comes up to my door and they're trying to get into it whether i'm there or not they grab the storm door and it's locked they're probably going to move on mm-hmm. right because yeah. now i got to get through too right. if this is locked that door is definitely locked they want the know? path of least resistance right. you know yeah yeah i mean i so i think of the same continuum when we talk about presence you know what i mean other things that I, like maybe you're let's say you're a single female small smaller frame or whatever right mm-hmm. like you put put you like a pair of size 14 boots right outside the, the oh, front door mm-hmm. yeah. you know what i mean somebody uh maybe this isn't just a female that's living here maybe there's mm-hmm. some big dude in there right like that's a present aspect that's kind of like your alarm signs different things mm-hmm. like that but also familiarize being familiar with your tools and what tool is going to be appropriate for what scenario if we if we go to the deadly force scenario like what what weapon is the best option for taking down a criminal if i live in like one of these new construction uh, homes that they're building now that you can like you shoot a five five six or two two three round it's probably going to go through the wall through your neighbor's wall you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. probably not maybe not the best option maybe maybe right. you need to look at it like a shotgun a 12 gauge or something like that or maybe a pistol i don't know like those are all factors you got to think about because again like you brought up even if, even if i'm defending my life i still am responsible for those rounds that are going all over the neighborhood right right you know so if i'm hitting my neighbor who's sleeping in the bed like I'm responsible for that, mm-hmm. even even though my my life was in danger at the time, you know. So like, know what tools you have available, or what maybe do I need to get some other tools? You know what I'm saying? And have a bunch of different options. Well, I mean, there's there's a community aspect too. Yeah. So like, I live in a cul-de-sac, right? Mm-hmm. So I live in your re- regular standard run-of-the-mill neighborhood. Probably like most listeners, right? I talk to my neighbors around me. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if something weird's going friendly. on, but be I have friendly. a relationship with them, they're going to be like, hey, man, some car pulled up in your driveway for a couple minutes versus, oh, that's not my business. Right. You know, right. because they start talking to me, they learn my mannerisms. They're looking out for me. I'm looking out for them. You know, I have mm-hmm. a guy that lives next to me. He's a senior citizen. Yeah. I'm always taking care of because he's always forgetting stuff. <laughs> Leaving his car door wide open or, yeah. you know, something like that. So I'll go let him know. You know, right across the way is like a veteran. He's got a bunch of veteran flags in his yard. Mm-hmm. So I know he's probably, you know, watching the area as well. You know, mm-hmm. he's probably ready. Yeah. You know, USMC, all that good stuff. He's got to have something in there. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. So just having that community aspect to where you're communicating with each other and you're kind of helping each other watch each other's backs. Because they're more likely going to approach you than if they don't know you yeah. right you know what I mean? exactly yeah. yeah you definitely want to be friendly to your neighbors friendly to your uh people that are living around you you know communicating with them giving them cookies on uh, christmas or yeah. whatever you know christmas cookies or whatever are you, you know, trying to you trying to make a hint for your neighbor to no, bring I'm you just christmas, christmas cookies <laughs> those are good you gave your you gave your uh, neighbor some bake stuff ben's, ben's been baking a lot lately. yeah he only gave me one thing though he gave I, got neighbor something. Something. I got some for my birthday <laughs> So anyway, like it's other th- other things too, like if you're talking about use of force continuum, level four is that hard control, hornet spray, wasp spray, stuff cattle good. prods, right? Bats. Those types of things. Yeah. <laughs> Bat machete, you know? 
You know, I do uh, have one sitting on my dresser. Crowbar. <laughs> those types of things. I mean, these are all hard controls. <laughs> Some of them could be deadly force, you know, but Hornet spray, you can, the, the foaming kind, you got to be careful with because if you spray the foam, the criminal can grab the foam off their face and throw it back at yeah, you, sword. right? But, uh, but it know. also gives you, like, I think it's like 25 feet, yeah. which yeah. is yeah. more than most over-the-counter pepper spray that you get. Right. So, like, that might be a better option well, for they, you. they sell <laughs> the foam pepper spray. I don't Do know. If, is it civilian? I don't know. The foaming uh, spray is, again, one of those things. I don't mess with pepper spray. I don't with. like pepper spray, personally. I'm not a fan I've of it. I've been pepper sprayed, OC yeah. sprayed. I hate it. It's, yeah. it's freaking bad. <laughs> the thing I'm is, the, the thing is, it's like it contaminates the area. So, right. like, if you end up, like, you spray that person, they can still come at you. Right. It's in your house. It's on you. It's now on Now you them. can't see. It's just, I, yeah. I well, don't like it, personally. That's but. something, too. Like, if you if you go out and buy pepper spray, like, I know a lot of a lot of women have pepper spray on their keychains. How many of these women have been hit with pepper spray? To yeah, see yeah. what the effect. How many have actually used it that, <laughs> right. the, on their keychain? Right. Like yeah. it's just there, but have you actually unlocked it and sprayed it? Right. Yeah. Right. Because when we went through the the level one and the gas house and all that, it was like you're getting exposed you have to, to be this sprayed. because you're yeah. going to use this, and right. you need to be prepared to operate. Right. right. You know. Right. Yeah. No, that would be bad i'm not a fan <laughs> I, my my uh, certification not good yeah not good. mine was not that. very good either <laughs> mine was rough but then i got used to it as yeah. 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 Well, you used it a lot more a lot. than than oh, we yeah. did in yeah. our, our oh, yeah. fields well i'll take mace i'll take cs over mace yeah because cs once you leave the area like you're burning a little but it's mm. fine yeah, yeah. Mace, it recovery was quicker like, too yeah. yeah so i mean that is a factor with the spray uh protectants yep. you know is uh, the irritants they're going to irritate you too which hornet spray is probably going to cause some serious damage, permanent damage, whereas yeah. pepper spray will not. Right. You know, so, again. We used to say it, too. It's not freezing spray. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you hit these people, it doesn't affect them the right. same way it does right, others. Right, exactly. Yeah. I straight up hit inmates in the face with a riot fogger, and they just looked at me and went, <coughs> Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right, I guess we're fighting now. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> now there's a dude ahead of me in the line for my OC certification. No effect on this dude. Mm, yeah. For me, my roommate was like that. He yeah. was just walking along, all <laughs> right. calm, no tears, yeah. no nothing. I'm like, bro. Yeah. Well, that goes back to being over reliant on your 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 thing, your right. one thing, right? right? Like, thing. hey, well, I got yeah. pepper spray on my keychain, so I'm good. Like, uh, what's your contingency if that doesn't work? How how much have you practiced actually grabbing it, unlocking yeah, right. it, using it, or is the keys on you? <laughs> Are you or is it expired and not going to work? Yeah. Yeah. Something else too. Are you going to misfire and hit yourself? Right. I've seen right. that. Pointed the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen people spray it into the wind and it just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So protection plans for cars, you know, another mm-hmm. element, you know, let's say you're out at a public area or on a public highway at a red light, you know, and uh, something happens, you know, what are you going to do? What are you prepared for? Mm. I mean, if someone's approaching your car and they're on foot, maybe you have a dog with you, maybe not, Right. Maybe, uh, you know, they're coming up, knocking on your window. You don't have to roll down your window. You can just drive off or whatever. Maybe you're on the highway. Someone next to you just pulls out a gun and just starts blasting at you, Mm. right? I know Chris has had uh, some cases like that, you know? Um, So this stuff does happen. Maybe someone rams you with their car. You know, again, what are all the things that you are thinking about from your use of force continuum and your protection layers for this type of scenario? You know, mm-hmm. but real quick, you guys have any thoughts on those? Oh, yeah. So having just bought recently bought a new car, those of you with new cars, they have all these safety features. I'm doing mm-hmm. quotes if for those of you, you don't who like are the listening. safety features. They have safety features that are not very safe. For example, <laughs> you put your car in park, your your doors automatically unlock, mm. right? So you're in a parking lot, you park. Now, hey, let me check my phone. Your car is unlocked. You mm. know what I mean? You can disable that, like which mm. I have, right? So you can you can disable that so that when I put my car in park my my door stay locked you know yeah. what i'm saying or if if it does just lock make sure you're aware lock your doors right. you know what i'm saying that's a good um, point that's putting, a good point putting your 
putting your car in park or or maybe not just depending like i i see uh people going through drive-thrus and things like that we had one case not really a protection instance but she didn't know the lady didn't know that her car was not in park mm. she was still she was just had her foot on the brake and she dropped some money or whatever and she opened the door she goes to reach the money hits the gas she slams into the side of the building <laughs> and she she died what you know, like the heck? her head was pinned in between the, the car oh door. my god and so like bro. little things like that like being aware of what's going on in your car i'm a big thing that i do i learned in my law enforcement days is taking your seatbelt off you mm-hmm. know so like as you get to your destination or you get close to your destination or you're you're coming into a park I, I, I take my seatbelt off, right? Mm. Or even even sometimes in traffic, I'm ready to take my seatbelt off. Like mm. I've had situations where people will get out. Like when I was a, a police officer, people would see my police car and they'd jump out. Hey, hey sir. And, and most of the time it's just, hey, they need help. They need mm. directions, whatever. But what if that person's coming at you? You know, like mm. you're, you're trapped in there with your seatbelt. You can't get out. And I learned from experience of getting out with my seatbelt on, not mm. being able to, able to get out. But mm. Just being ready to, to act. These are all things that I think about when I'm in my vehicle. What what do I have uh, access to? Like, do I keep things in my vehicle, firearms, whatever? You know, like, like let's say what I carry. Let's say I carry a subcompact pistol, for example. Usually subcompacts are going to have somewhere between five rounds, six, seven, maybe up to eight rounds. You're not going to have a lot of ammunition on you. So maybe mm-hmm. you carry some ammunition in your, your mm-hmm. central console in case you need to le- reload. Maybe I keep a more of a compact or a full-size firearm that I keep with me, and I don't leave it permanently in the car, but yeah. it's there. You know what I'm saying? Those are all factors I think of when we're talking about uh, vehicles. Another scenario with the vehicle is like you're literally in traffic on the interstate. All of a sudden there's road rage. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden someone's out of the car like right in front of you. And they're mm. going off. Maybe they're going off at you. Maybe they're going off at somebody else. Maybe they pull a gun out. They start shooting at you or shooting at people. I mean, I've literally witnessed a really bad case of road rage recently. And I was like, holy shit, it's shit about to go down right now. Thankfully, it didn't go down. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this stuff does happen. And it will yeah. happen close to you, local to you, because people don't know how to handle their emotions, right? But uh, that's something else you got to be prepared for, something else you got to think about. Yeah. You know well, that saying? goes. that can go in the presence, in the presence category, right? Like some of... Some people get way too confident in their vehicles, like you're mm. like you're protected or whatever. And so, like mm. maybe somebody cuts you off, and you 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 lay on the horn, you 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 flip them off, <sighs> like not the best decision, right? Because you're now yeah. escalating. You don't know what the hell mm. is going on with that person, right? Like that person could have in- intentionally cut you off, like hey, what's go what's up? Or like mm. they've they've had a bad day. Uh, they're ready to they're ready to go. You know, yeah. uh, we we had a case at, at our agency. Um, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the guy did, but it was, it was a, it was a road rage, road rage type scenario mm. where the lady kind of blew him off, whether, mm. whether she flipped him off or whatever. And this guy turns back around. Next time they come up to a stoplight, he pulls a rifle out, shoot, shot her right in the Good throat. And she's dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this lady just blew her off versus like, if this guy's trying to elicit something, maybe mm. we just ignore that. Or I drive away or I'm going to take a, take a little, you know, little detour to get away from that versus being a like oh, i'll show this i'll yeah. show this person i'm gonna honk at him or whatever I mean, this stuff happens across america so don't think that it's not going to happen close to you yeah. or or wherever you're at yeah. and i like how you said you know it's actually escalation if you're honking the horn flipping the bird at somebody you know it's like dude just just like just this morning yeah. just this morning for me all right now we're going off uh, just this morning <laughs> for me i'm i'm sitting i'm doing a superset in the gym right and uh, I'm doing tricep press down on the cable, and I'm doing leg extension superset. Mm. So I'm literally bouncing between the two. And uh, you know, this dude literally, literally goes up to the cable. I'm right next to it, doing my leg extensions, looking at it, looking at him. He's looking at me. He's staring at me, and he's taking the uh, 
the bar that I was using for tricep extension and the D-ring off the cable. Jeez. Walks over to a cable he wanted to use and puts it on there. He's staring at me and he starts Dude's doing his pissed. thing. And I could have I could have just lost it on him, went off, but you know what? I just stared at him, stopped looking at him, finished my leg extensions, walked over, grabbed another D-ring, yep. grabbed another bar, put it back on the cable, started doing my tricep press again and just looked at him. And then just kept doing my tricep press, acting like nothing happened. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that's the situation. I could have went ballistic on this dude. He goes the enemy, or right? I could have been like, hey, you know what? Obviously, he needed that more than I did at the time. So I'll just, you know, get another one myself. No You're big right. deal. Right? Yeah. Well, that's a classic example. You don't know. You like. You don't know what that guy has dealt with. Right. You don't know what's going on in his life. He could be ready to go. He like. Mm -hmm. Both of you are working. You're pumping. Mm. You're, you're you're jacked. You know what oh, I'm saying? My, like, I wanted to. Right. I wanted. Right. To. He, he's right. Just at his breaking and maybe point he wanted you. Maybe thing. he wanted yeah. you to. You know what yeah, I'm saying? We don't know. To. We don't know what's going on. Honestly, after but, that, though, I mean, any normal person, I don't know about him, but he probably felt like a dick after. Right. That. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because he's probably like, oh, jeez. Honestly, he probably wasn't aware of what was going on, but because I don't really see that guy, and he's not a normal dude. That's in there at that time but he probably wasn't aware of what's going on and if i would have went ballistic you know he might have been like whoa what the fuck you know yeah. really defensive. but uh instead i just handle business differently and it's like okay no factor people are just blissfully yeah. unaware right like i've had it to where i've been on the flat bench ripping out dumbbells yeah i sit up the girl behind me is like unracking her squats and as she does she's like throwing 10 pound weights like where my head goes <laughs> so i'm like look i'm sitting on the damn yeah. thing yeah. i'm looking the guy is looking next to me he's like shaking his head <laughs> yeah like, yeah so I just waited, you know, she picked him up, she re-racked, but then she did it again. Now, when she did it again, I did push him off onto the floor, because I was like, come on, man. But, but you know, like, this this example of, like, you know, you're in your car, road rage is happening, yeah. the, or, you know, a situation's happening, you could either deal with it one way, you could escalate, or you could just de-escalate it, you know, go from there. Yeah, I get the best of you, though. Like, right. I'm usually pretty good about it. When that truck almost crushed me, because he was just trying to prove a point, and he's in a freaking semi. Yeah. I got a little little heated. Not yeah. nothing crazy, but yeah. he got the bird. Yeah. Also, think people make mistakes. You know, yeah. like I've cut people off by accident. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? And so it's like that person may not have intentionally been trying to get you. You right. know what I'm saying? Like might have been an accident. Just this let it go. Was, Just he let was it staring go. at me. No, your, your case is he's going. yeah. Your case is definitely <laughs> deliberate. But like, yeah. bro, what the hell? all right. So uh, just a couple other things I want to talk about real quick, wrapping this uh, puppy up. But a couple of military terminologies that I think, you know, are good for civilians to practice as well. First one being a Ram and that not a Dodge Ram, although that's the best truck you could have. <laughs> Probably don't want one. But, <laughs> but uh, a Ram in the in the military is what we call a random anti-terrorism measure. So what terrorists are looking for is routines mm. that they can infiltrate, take advantage of. So what you do is you do random force protection things to change up the routine to make a, uh, a terrorist attack less likely to occur right so same thing in your civilian world is you know if you do the same thing you have the same routine every day which we like routine especially with dogs it's very important but if you do the same thing the same way every single day every single time it could make you a softer target mm -hmm. could make you more predictable so changing your routine changing up things like uh you know if you have a code to get into your house like a lot of people have the keypads to get into your house or your garage maybe you change that code up once a month or once every couple months because maybe someone is trying to detect your code or figure out what your code is to get into your house you know what i'm saying so that could be one thing or the way you drive to work the way you drive home from work the way you navigate your neighborhood maybe you change up your travel patterns and routes for that maybe you have your dog positioned in certain areas of your property or your house at certain times and then at other days you have them at different times different places right so again 
you know, not doing the same thing every single day, every single time to make yourself more of a harder target. I think that's a really good thing to practice. Um, the other thing is, uh, what we call an IAD and that's known as an immediate action drill. So that's like, you know, just basically a pre-planned response. If this happened, I'm going to respond like this. If that happened, I'm going to respond like that. So a lot of businesses have pre-planned procedures or pre-planned responses we have in the Navy or in the military as well. I'm sure in law enforcement as well, but an IAD, you know, what do you do if there's a fire in your kitchen, right? With your family, what do you do? If uh, there's a road rage incident in vicinity of you and your family, right? Maybe you have a larger vehicle that can handle plowing through some vehicles and traffic to get away from that potential active shooter situation that started as road rage. Or maybe you're stuck in that situation. Maybe you have your, uh, you know, tool, your firearm with you and you're able to stop the threat before it, you know, starts harming other people. I don't know. It depends, right? So, but having an IAD in place, immediate action drill. What if someone breaks into your house in the middle of the night in your back door? What's the immediate action drill for that? You know what I'm saying? So thinking through situations, <clears throat> having these immediate actions available and in your head. And then last one I wanted to talk about is a QRF, which is called a quick reaction force, right? So basically, do you have backup? Do you have plans in place with family or friends if you need help? right? Doesn't have to be a protection scenario, but what if you get a flat tire on the side of the road? What if you need help? Do you have someone you can rely on? Do you have someone you can call? Do you have backup, right? Um, maybe your house is under attack. Maybe someone broke in your back door. Maybe there's some way you communicate with your neighbor very quickly where they're able to provide backup to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, or maybe you're able to provide backup to your neighbor. So quick reaction force, <coughs> supporting each other having a team in place that can help you or you can be a part of and help in bad or difficult or protection situations. You know what I'm saying? So anything along those three topics you guys were thinking of? I mean, the the, the quick reaction force is good and it doesn't necessarily have to be physical response too. Like I, I think of like people selling stuff on Facebook marketplace or like mm -hmm. online and things like that. I remember one time like I was doing that and I was kind of like, weirded out by the guy i texted chat hey i'm meeting at this i'm at the this place i think it was at the moonshine saloon or whatever <laughs> like here's where i am if you don't hear from me you know yep. you know send help or whatever yep. you know what i'm saying so like little things like that somebody's looking out for me or we we have a general calendar that we're all on you know what i mean so like if kevin's at a late appointment or something he doesn't check back in or something like that we're probably going to be checking in on him so that there's steps in pace so he doesn't if he goes missing or whatever it's not like 48 hours before somebody's trying to find him so like mm -hmm. little things like that knowing people who who's looking out for you on the day-to-day -day so that when there is some something off in your your day-to-day -day schedule somebody's checking in with you you know those kinds of things yeah all right so just again kind of overall thoughts you know Maybe you want to be prepared for a worst case scenario. And like Kevin said, a lot of people listening might be like, these guys are crazy. You know, we're a little um, crazy. But the thing is, like, if something goes down, are you ready for it? Are you prepared for it? How ready are you? You know, I'm not saying to go to extreme levels. Maybe you think that we are extreme after this conversation, but I think we're ready for a lot of things that could happen. But again, there's things that are going to happen that you're 100% not prepared for. Nope. But having your health in check, having your fitness in check, having your training in place, that can help you be better prepared to tackle a situation versus someone that has nothing in place. Even if you just focused on your health and fitness, you know, and if you were in a fight for your life, 
physical fight, if you had no martial arts training, but you had that health and fitness in check, you might be able to be scrappy enough to fight off an attacker until help could arrive or, or until the attacker smokes himself and then you can get away from them. You know what I'm saying? So that can be the factor that allows you to survive. And right. then what happens? We learn. Now it's like, okay, right. there was my weak point. Now that's what I need to strengthen up. Right? right. So like all of those things, that's like your foundation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It allows you to survive. So kind of in conclusion, just remember, you know, a protection plan the whole goal of that is to deter attack by creating a layered defense, right? Part of that defense could be a protection dog. It could just be a dog without formal bite work training. It could be a highly trained dog, right? Your protection layers, you might have a perimeter. You might have early warning. You have a, might have a baseline. You might have a security layer. You know, what goes into those layers is going to depend on you, your setup, your preferences, all those types of things. Your use of force continuum. You know, basically standard is going to be five levels of that. Level number one is your presence or the presence of your estate, your house, your car, whatever. Level two is going to be your verbal communication, your verbal commands. Hey, how's it going? How can I help you? Right? Hey, you know, please back up, you know, things like that. Number three is going to level three is your soft control, some type of wrist control, maybe foot control, something like that. Level four is going to be your hard control. That could be your pepper spray, wasp spray, taser, takedowns, you know, mag light, baton, those types of things. Something that's not going to be lethal could be a protection dog. That could be a hard control. And then you have your level five, which is your lethal force, your deadly force, right? That would probably be using some type of tool like a firearm, maybe a knife, maybe a hatchet, maybe who knows, right? Depends on what's going on. But throughout this use of force continuum, you need to be prepared to escalate in it and de-escalate in it. And remember, we're always trying to de-escalate as much as possible. We don't want for trouble to happen. We don't want for a dangerous situation to happen. So we're going to try and de-escalate things or prevent things from happening by having a very strong presence, being a hard target versus a soft target, right? You don't want to be a soft target. You want to be a hard target. That doesn't mean you're not friendly. You still be friendly. Treat other people like you want to be treated, but you're aware, you're ready, right? You always want to be mindful of creating space versus reducing space. That could be physical space between you and a potential threat, right? Reducing, uh, reducing space is going to put you more into a harm's way situation. Creating space gives you more time to process information, more time to think, more time to continue to de-escalate situations. We also talked about protection dogs, you know, maybe what the purpose of that is. Maybe it's an increase in liability. Maybe it's more things you have to maintain. Maybe you want to be involved in protection sports like Schutzen, Ring Sports, Protection Sport Association, Canine Street League, those types of things. You know, so then it'd be very good for you to be involved in that stuff. But that should not be your only option. You should also have some type of option with martial arts training or defensive pistol techniques, you know, things like that. Don't forget your uh, protection plans for your for your personal, your, you yourself, your family, your house, your estate, your vehicle. And then you have your, uh, you know, randomized measures you're going to take to make yourself more of a hard target. You're going to have some type of immediate action drill or pre-planned response to certain situations. And then do you have a QRF? Do you have a quick reaction force? If you don't, maybe you need to think about putting one together, you know, with your family or your friends or your neighbors, right? Train together. Do things together so you're ready to support each other and uh, help each other out if things go down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of stuff's going on in the world. 
right? We got banks collapsing like SVB, which is the number 16th largest bank, uh, not in the nation, but maybe the world, right? That bank collapsed. So what happened if you absolutely had no money available to you? You know, what would you do? What would be happening? You know, we got uh, Russia, you know, spraying U.S. drones with jet fuel, you know, and uh, what happened if things continue to escalate in the world and now World War III is upon us, World War III is going to be like cyber attacks, chemical, biological attacks, right? So now we have chemicals, uh, biological things that are being uh, put on us. We have cyber attacks that are attacking us. Like how attached to your phone are you? Hmm. If you had no GPS because there was a cyber attack, you had no GPS, could you navigate? Could you survive, right? So these are things, you know, you don't need to go crazy with it, but it's just maybe some things you think about. Okay, if this happened, I'd do this. If that happened, I'd do that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, just something to think about, right? So any other closing thoughts, guys? Levels of paranoia can be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All good. All good. All right, so real quick, just wrapping this puppy up, Ben, any closing thoughts? What do you think about the discussion? Good? Hmm. All right. So real quick, you know, Pack Talk Podcast is sponsored by Canine Revolution Dog Training. So we did talk about protection dogs. We can help you out with that if you want that. But again, just having a highly trained dog at like our advanced uh, training level, our advanced training program, you know, that right there is going to be a really good deterrent. You know, we can help you select a dog. We can help train your dog to bark on command and stop barking on command if that's something you want to take your deterrent level to the next step, right? We can also refer you to our friends and uh, partners that we train with as well, which we'll mention those in a second. But if you have a dog, if you need training, if you need advice, <coughs> reach out to us, Canine Revolution Dog Training. Also, podcast is sponsored by Canine Revolution Apparel. And I'm proud to say that the guinea fowl are a part of the perimeter layers in my and Chris's uh, protection plans. And so we do have a guinea fowl shirt that's live on Amazon and Shopify, Canine Revolution Apparel. So check that out. Maybe you get you some guinea fowl. If you need guinea fowl, let us know. We can help you out with that as well. But anyway, get you a good-to-go shirt. You'll be good to go. You can support the podcast. Also, let's not forget supporting America, supporting Americans or Americans, right? And so uh, that's why we choose Jocko Fuel and Origin USA for our supplements that are good for us with no fillers, right? No bad ingredients in there all good for you 100% and origin USA making durable goods boots jeans jujitsu geese belts hoodies that kind of stuff out of American cotton right out of American sourced materials and then the durable goods are put together by Americans in America versus supporting slave labor across the ocean right so if you want to support America, if you want to support yourself, go to jockofuel.com, originusa.com, use discount code SINGER101 for 10% off. And I was just talking to somebody the other day about energy drinks, Monsters, for example. Mm. Had someone I was talking to about Monsters, they were saying, you know, I pay two ninety for my Monster. Why is a, why is a Jocko, you know, two seventy for one Jocko, Jocko Go energy drink? I was like, you know what? It's cheaper than a monster. It's good for you. And you can use the discount code SINGER101. Get 10% off so it's even cheaper. So maintain your supplies. You know? You could also get on the milk train. Get that extra protein. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
I do want to shout out to uh, Black Force MMA real quick. If you guys are looking to get involved in martial arts training, self-defense training, and you're local to Somerville or Charleston, South Carolina, you can contact Black Force MMA on Facebook or Instagram. Also, we interviewed the uh, owner of Black Force MMA, who's in the Mixed Martial Arts Hall of Fame as well, Dwight Decker, episode number 71. We learn about his background and some of the things he's been through. But if you want to learn how to use your body, I'm not telling you to go every week. I'm not telling you to go every day, maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. I don't know, whatever you can fit into your schedule. But having that capability there will help you. And training martial arts is going to help you be conditioned and in a more higher level of fitness as well because you're working your body in those types of situations. Then also real quick, I do want to shout out to uh, Doc Anthony who runs concealed weapons permit courses and defensive pistol courses, right? He's also a brown belt in uh, jujitsu as well. So he's very well versed in martial arts. He's starting to incorporate those in his courses coming up. Uh, But we did two podcasts with Doc Anthony, podcast number seven, you know, our first guest and podcast 58, where we did a debrief and deep dive on some active shooter scenarios and why they might be happening and some things you could be doing to be prepared for those. But again, you know, reach out to Black Force MMA, reach out to Doc Anthony if you want to get involved. If you want to reach out to him for uh, pistol courses, you'll want to email him at scwplanzara at gmail.com and you can contact him, get information on the uh, different courses that he offers. And we do partner with both of these uh, people uh, to make sure that we can support ourselves, support each other, support our community, which is you guys, the listeners. So thank you for listening. And if you guys have any feedback on any episodes, anything that we're putting out, please let us know. We'd love to be in contact with you. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please rate us, review us, let us know what you like, let us know what you don't like. And then if you're watching on YouTube or some other social platform, again, leave us a comment. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Subscribe to the channel. And uh, we do like all comments, even negative ones. And if you want some entertainment, you can go to our Facebook page. You can go to our TikTok. You can read some comments. You might be entertained. Maybe not. So anyway, check it out. And uh, again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your support. And until next time, this is Pack Talk Podcast, out.